Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to be talking some agronomy goals or resolutions, whatever you want to call them, for 2024. In our spotlight, we'll take a look at nitrogen stabilizers. Ag History Minute, we'll talk about why we put out milk and cookies for Santa. Cool beans, that's corny. We'll have some current events and we'll wrap it all up with a Field Good Friday. With me today are Bill Schomburg. Hey guys. Todd Schomburg. Hey to all the Tilthies out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. It's been a very interesting, uh, well, last year, because since we are in 2024, it was a very interesting year. Uh, We had some weather ups and downs. We've had some, you know, odds and ends in... With the wildfire smoke and the Packer season has also been very up and down for the year. We've started out hot and kind of trailed off for a little while there in the middle, and things are coming back with a uh, drubbing, trouncing, beating—I don't know—pick whatever adjective you want to use uh, of beat the Vikings. Down. It was a beatdown. It was beatdown. I mean, the, the only touchdown they scored was off of a muffed kick. Yep, and. Yeah, seven yards to go. So, if they couldn't have scored there, that would have been pretty sad. Do you, would you call it a plundering of the Vikings? Because typically they plunder. True. So this is true. Could we do we that plunder, back to we them? Plundering, plundered them. I, th- I think we may have pl- plundered their stadium, uh, especially with the being on New Year's, like Eve. New Year's Eve night too. Not like yep. you're right up to when <laughs> when. Because all the yeah, like the yeah. balls dropping at the end of the game. Imagine it's like your home stadium, and if if you're a fan, like you're probably just getting out of there because you don't want to watch the Packer players getting interviewed and getting a little. They had yeah, champagne, they got champagne. Or cider, or whatever it was, yeah. and hats for them. And yeah. I bet it was just, love was just hammering it. So it probably was. Champagne. They did say non-alcoholic something. Uh, I swear when she handed it out, but could be. Yeah. But at least he got that instead of getting his snub with his turkey leg. The turkey leg. leg, yeah. Yeah. I fully expected the other way because we make bad quarterbacks look really good. Yes. Right. And I fully expected it to go the other way, but... They finally blitzed, like, a lot. Yeah, yeah the, the defensive game plan seemed pretty darn good. Special teams still managed to goof something up, but baby steps. Okay, two out of three ain't bad. Yeah. This is what you're. That's a very good synopsis, Matt, of the ups and downs. Because games you thought they would win, they didn't. In one, like even the Panthers was very close. Oh, yeah, it was way closer. Than we beat the Chiefs and the Lions been, when right. we didn't think we would. <laughs> like it's like, just been like the Panthers really game was out. like, yeah, if they they choke and lose this at the end here, like Joe Barry shouldn't even get on the plane. No. He should just stay yep, in stay. Carolina to be your Christmas present. Yep, here you go. But uh, yeah, no, it was. It was a very good game. It was very interesting to see two different quarterbacks in for the Vikings, neither of which really accomplished much in in any way, shape, or form. So, can can you do? Yeah, is it just that you're. Does this help then going into the next game, Bill? Because I know you said I'd rather them just lose so we don't have this sort of hype that they are gonna. Win or not win, kind of, kind of going into last year, it was like winning, you're in, and 
we were fortunate to get like a bunch of tickets to all go, and it was it was brutal to watch. Right. Nobody's going. We're, none of us are uh, going to this game. But right? I am. Oh no! Yeah, Bill's going again. So don't he, take Jim with you. I am not. I'm taking my son, who did not go last year to that game. Ah, your me. other son. Yeah, the okay. other son's going. So, um, I'm. I flipped a little bit, Todd, because I didn't expect this defensive performance that right. they play. Now, granted, the quarterbacks were bad, and the Vikings are. They don't have a running back, and Jeff Jefferson. What he didn't do anything. But but for not having Jair. And right. still be able to sort of shut him down. Though. Right. It was pretty good. That right. You're right though. They they aren't necess- like Jefferson's their only tool in that and, toolbox. And maybe so. Jair's suspension was a wake up right. call not only to players, but to Joe Barry too, of like, okay, we're we're getting serious now. Yeah. Like maybe maybe I should do something. And frankly, the more I think about it and the more I listen to the talking heads, which I shouldn't, but they probably can't beat Sam for like okay, so we gotta beat the Bears, right? Then we're in. Win and you're in, which is cool. Yep. Even if we lose, there's still a path in, but that's dumb. Winning you're in, who out of the rest of the teams are you afraid of? Are you afraid of the Cowboys? Me? I mean, they're going to have to score points because the Cowboys can score. score yeah. we, we've already played the Lions, which they can beat us, but we've shown we can beat them. So either way, I think the 49ers are the only – one that we probably can't beat. Well, they've been our, them in the first round anyway. They've been our El Grappo right. forever too. So yes, they've they've just seemed to be so, able to beat us in the playoffs. So yes, it, so frankly, I'm in the camp Matt was in last week of let's get some experience. Let's try. Let's do this. Uh, yeah, we, we want to beat the Bears anyway. It's the freaking Bears. Beat the Bears. Shut them guys up for another year because you know they're going to be insufferable if they win on Sunday. Well, look at how much like the first game of the year it was. Oh, this is our year. We're going to be so good. And then, like, and they're kind of starting to talk that way again already leading up to this game. I know uh, Field took a shot in his press conference the other day. It's like, yes, nothing please, to, just nothing to do in Green Bay. Overinflate your egos more. Please. But play football. That he said, but play football, right? right? Yeah. Which I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's why Green Bay's awesome. Right. Like, you just described the best part of it. Like, everything about Green Bay revolves around Title Town and, yep. and, Playing football, yes. Like I, I do think the Bears are a better team than when we like that was a whole season oh, yeah. ago, right? DJ right. Moore is taking like, a much bigger And they got Montez Sweat now who listening to the Bears some of the Bears reporters over the last week, like he's made a difference. So and he could be the one or maybe like one of few that has leading two teams in sacks in the same oh, year. Sure, sure. He was Washington, with the Redskins. Yeah. Okay. Commanders. Commanders now. Yes. They he's still leading the Commanders in sacks. Really? And he's leading the Bears in sacks. How does that even happen? Yeah. That's a, that is a cool stat. how bad the rest of the defense of right. Commanders wow. is. Well, and they wow. just they let everybody go like yeah. Chase Young's with the 49ers. Yeah. and but anyway, well, they're a better team. And Fields is playing better. So I think it's gonna be a tight game. They still should beat them, but it's gonna be a tight game. Well, and I feel this is one of those quarterbacks, even more so than Kirk Cousins was, of like it's which which Justin Fields shows up to the game. Yep, and it could be either one. I mean, they just got to make him throw. Like, right, right. It's throw. Is it don't let him run. Yeah, if he crosses the line of scrimmage and makes many yards on his feet, we're gonna have problems. So yeah, it it is a fun. Last year it was win and you get in, win and you get in. 
but we knew it was kind of the end of the era with right. Rodgers. Yes. Like, it felt desperate. Like, I just remember walking out of the stadium being like, we're done now for a while. Like, it it was a win and get in, and when we didn't win and you lost, you went like, man, you what, had a, what you was all that Get in, for? and you thought you were going to go somewhere in right. the playoffs, right? Like, right. Now it's like, okay, Love's got no experience. Win and we get in. It gets some experience. If we don't go anywhere big deal we got right we and this is a winning it in but if just and if you do just win one this last game make it in the playoffs and and lose right away it's still a successful season which is which is crazy to think but because we know of how the potential in this team now well that's the youngest team in the nfl right so it's only gonna get we got more cap space we got all that so it's it is kind of a cool new year feeling and hopefully like on your farms you get that at each crop season can be different. Right. And this year as the crop season has that feel too of like, hey, we made it through the drought. Wasn't that bad. Every you know, wasn't what was, was the main a, goal was a decent year in twenty three and twenty four looks like it has good potential coming into. Roll yourself back to training camp, like one last thing on the Packers. Roll yourself back to training camp. What was your goal? Make sure love was the guy, right? Yep. That was the goal. And You're dumb enough to think he's not, at least short term, right? Like to sign him to another contract. I've also never seen in this era of a guy that seems quite humble. Mm -hmm. And obviously as you get better, the humbleness goes away. But, man, he sure does seem to be very just just plays football, doesn't doesn't have to say nothing. You know, like. In in general, has done it without what we would consider the only weapons we had. Right, Jagger hasn't played much this year. Aaron Jones was an Aaron Jones is the half yeah. a season. Maybe Terry played one game. Watson's played what three games? Yeah, right. It feels like maybe yeah, it's yeah. more than that. But it's half. They said half the season. Yeah, half the season. Okay, so he's played eight games, but no, he throws everybody. When right. you never heard of Bo Melden, and then yeah, he gets a touchdown and a he's the yard only hundred yard, yard receiver yeah. for the year. Which if you said that, you thought we had a disaster of a year right. because who's that guy? So yeah, I saw I saw a tweet yesterday. It was. Dear Jordan Love, in 15 years, don't be weird. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. That's about which, it. which I'm sure he, he will and change, but at least he's starting out seemingly in a very good spot. And it seems like he's very, has a strong head on his shoulders, which What's is What's so cool about cool. him, like, versus like Fields, is when all hell breaks loose, he's just calm, collected. Yeah. Like, he's not freaking out. Like, he's not just taking off running, like, right away in the huddle, like, between plays. He just seems like he's got it. Like, I got this crap handled. Like, don't worry about it. We can do this. All right. Well, on that note, let's get into our goals for the next growing season. Whether you want to call them resolutions, goals, uh, things to think about, doesn't matter. They're all important things to consider when you're looking at the 2024 growing season. So start things off, nitrogen usage and or efficiency, if you want to call it that. Um, when you're looking at this year, I mean, 2023 was a year, you know, we talked drought. Not everywhere in the state was necessarily in as severe of drought as some spots. But in general, I would say we probably had one of our better years in terms of not leaching nitrogen as we didn't really have those heavy rains and stuff to kind of wash things through. Um, so that doesn't mean you 
need to expect that for 2024, but make sure you're looking at it, your budget, your crop needs, like try not to overdo the nitrogen part of it. It's something we, we do a lot. Uh, we want that insurance out there and guys tend to be very stingy when it comes to pulling back on nitrogen, but look at what you're doing. Look at what you did last year and maybe the year before and say, hey, can we maybe pull things back and maybe not put everything up front? Maybe if we're going to need some later, we have that option to side dress. Like take those things into consideration when you're looking at your nitrogen management um, and placement too. I mean, placement's always an important part of... I think that's where the efficiency comes in, Matt. Right. Right? Like... Especially depending, right, when you put it on. If you're putting it on early and we're just whipping it out there, there's no roots there to grab it. We got more tools than ever. Ever. Right. More tools than ever. And and even tools that I didn't, like the two-by-two-by-two thing. You know, I not that I didn't see that coming, but I was like, well, two both sides of the row, whatever. That's not going to matter, but you you can place more nitrogen properly with that system as well. So anyway, and, and then the Y drop kind of the later application window too. We're, we're still on the cusp of how to use that. And, you know, early on with that, we did a lot of our end late with that. And now it's like, no, it's just like, we've always known spoon feeding that crop is the best way to feed corn. It does, it does not like meals. It likes snacks all the time. It's always, you know, always it's a be grazer. yeah just corn, like corn to munch here and there <laughs> and, and and maybe at yeah yes at yield marking you know at knee high when it's setting kernels around yeah. you maybe want it that's its meal time maybe a little bit but but in general the Every, tools we have in these toolbox now is is more than ever so so making sure that now that you can be more efficient and more use it more efficiently you don't have to worry about the rate as much. Well, you can think, worry about the placement and timing much better. And think about efficiency too with application units. Like we're not going out there with a four row cultivator anymore. You know, oh, it's right. a you can get a lot done. So you can plan these things to best your ability. I realize farms are bigger, more acres, takes more time, but the rigs themselves are bigger. So you should be able to plan a little better to get okay, these are the three days I'm gonna try to get it done and Boom, we hammer it out. You know, the rain's coming in five days. Let's get it done in these three, and then it's there. What's this rain you speak of? Yes. Yeah, I don't know. Hey, you're telling me <laughs> it's going to blizzard here next week. So, but potentially, yeah, just because I'm I'm leaving town and going to a conference, that's why it's going that's, to. We're going to get when it gets a bunch of snow. So, are you driving? Yes, that is that's the key. If I was flying, probably wouldn't have been an issue, but maybe it would be. You'd just be right when you're flying. Right. Um, So the next one kind of plays into the same idea. So whether you're just using commercial fertilizer or you have manure available, whether it's your manure, your neighbor's manure, um, you know, I think we've got enough guys out there that take manure from other farms as fertilizer. Manure placement uh, is something to keep on your radar for 2024. Um, whether it's down already or you're going to do some spring applications or even looking ahead to next fall. Um, remember, you, manure is a fertilizer product, you know, not a waste product. Like it, it's, it may come out the back end of a cow, but it's still fertilizer. It's still good fertilizer. It has a lot of things that when we use commercial f- fertilizer, we find ourselves supplementing with um, these new products of biologicals and other things that are, are already in that manure package. 
Um, so choose your rates wisely. Uh, make sure it's your rate and what you think you need and will use in the field, not necessarily what maybe the guy hauling it wants to put on the field, maybe managing it and spreading it out more, not always hammering the same field over and over again. I um, don't feel like that's gone away. No. Like the, the you know, as agronomists, we make our recommendations. We give those recommendations to farmers. I feel like the manure hauler, there's still some gray area there as to what the manure hauler does. I, I know it's better, and the manure haulers listening are probably mad, but I still think in certain cir- circumstances, like even in the spring, like I've been in conversations, like the manure hauler really wants to come, and I'm like, it's not like not yet. Like it's too early, whatever the circumstances are, but they want to come and get manure out. I'm like, I know that, but think about what's best for you. They're thinking about what's best for them. And that's, I still think we got to do what's best for our ground. Yeah. And that's the sneers I get into. Like they want to come with tankers. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, we, it's right next to the farm. We can hose it. Like, like just let's wait. I know the hose rig isn't ready, but let's wait till they can bring the hose rig. So we're not wrecking our fields. I think the big part to remember with manures where you started, man, is too, it's, it is the OG of biologicals. Like it is the original, yeah. yep. original, original biologicals. And as we talked, you know, last week, some of the top egg stories, one of them was here come the biologicals. And I think we do got to remember that like this one is, is a biological that you're, you're applying. So it's a very good, has a lot of other good things than just the fertilizer part and has a lot of good benefits to the soil too. So just remembering that as you're trying some new biologicals and you might say, well, man, that didn't work. Well, it might be because you already have a really good one out there already. So something to think about that, that place some value on and make sure you use it appropriately. All right. Next up weed management. So, we all have those fields, the fields that probably for some of us are right along the highway that everyone drives by every day. Um, Always. That we, we manage. But, you know, when you're looking at weed management, we've got to look at the whole picture, the whole field, not just the, the part by the road, and make sure that we're not skimping on what we need to do to maintain what we want in the field. So plan according for your weed pressure issues. If you have weed issues, whether it's water hemp, or uh, mayor's tail, giant ragweed, whatever it is, make sure you're keeping that in the back of your mind. Because if you skip one year in managing it, it's going to bite you for many years afterwards. So make sure, and I think most people do a good job, but every, every once in a while, whether it's chem prices or whatever factor plays into it, we we feel the need like, oh, well, it's been good for a little while. We can maybe just kind of back off this year. Just do what's best for field like bill said with the manure what's best for the field what's best for the the farm your bottom line your return on investment it's going to be there to keep things in control when you're looking at weed management i think from the farmer standpoint what i've noticed this year maybe not so much as other years but it still plays ball is do some shopping for chem like just Mm -hmm. don't just go to the same place you've always been do some shopping i think you can you know, it's maybe a little bit more competitive. There's a little more products out there. Obviously, have someone to help you through that dilemma of, okay, this co-op or this 
place has this chemical, but this one has a different one. Let's make sure you're getting apples for apples. But do some shopping. I think you can save some money. And there's benefit to changing modes of action, too. I mean, by using a different product maybe for a year or two here and not saying you can, you're never going to go back to the same guy you bought from last year, but just to kind of keep things moving, keep things different, it's good read management to kind of change up those modes of action. So I, I don't know if water hemp has made us be better at this, but... Bill, I remember for the first, you know, especially in, when you started your career, it, I remember you having to push to like on soybeans to get guys to spray. Yeah, because you did study on two pass yeah, soybeans. We did, and it was just like it was called the two pass challenge. Yeah, like yeah, and it was. Like, I just remember it being just everybody like, well, why am I? I don't want to waste my money on that. I ain't doing that. Well, it was. I mean, you it, know, and, it was so easy. Just like in in late nineties, yes, early two thousands, it was like. Run, you know, the just beans come up six inches, run out there with Roundup, and we're done. And like, it worked. And it worked. But now I feel you're almost, there's times where I've had to, like, talk guys got of, like, three times spray. You know, like, and not not to say that they just want to go waste money. That's not it. But more of, like, well, okay, it's it's coming up with a program right now and make, like you say, planning accordingly to your to weed pressure and what you have. So, yeah, it, it is exciting out there of, it does seem like, especially in the soybean world, the two pass thing is just a just a normal in the system now, which yeah. is good. And in corn, it's almost flipped to being corn now, where that one is more guys trying to get away with one pass. And in it in a early post pass with with some of these herbicides, you know, when that when sort of Halex came out and changed that, where you. I know you round were, up with Lumat, you know, like you were kind of one of the first ones to have some guys use that. Oh, I, and I, I'll be honest, the first couple of years we didn't, we didn't use it right. We were a little late, if that makes it, because you're like, oh, well, I don't know how much residuals here. Yeah. Like I, but man, once we figured it out, it's like this is because I wasn't really quick slick. to that that game, the Halex, the Acuron GTs. I wasn't super quick to that. It was like we're gonna get it on right away because. Why is it easy to get herbicide on right away at planting? Because it's dry, because you just planted the field, right? Yep. It's dry enough to plant. It should be dry enough to spray. But then we get to the fall, and there's so many weed escapes. And it's like, you know what? Maybe right, maybe so we should rethink that and not put so much up right away when it's still cold, it's still wet, it's still crappy. Let's let the weeds come a little bit. We got more bullets. On the corn go, side, right. right. It seemed like I said we're, we almost flipped from beans Going one pass and you wouldn't do two to now it's crazy not to do two and corn is a lot of bowl. I mean, there's there's but still there's, a lot of two pass corn. There's there's some one pass just all down right away. There's some guys that are coming back with the one pass post. I think corn's got you know a lot a lot of options. Those early post options have worked well though in corn. The last they have for yeah. years. You know, just getting good weed control and back season end of the season control is still there because you're not wasting three weeks of well and the flexibility of the chemicals you're using like Acuron can be used over the top of corn right like we, we used it before but there are options where you know you don't have to change your chemical program you're just changing the timing really right yeah so right all right next up we've got <clears throat> my personal favorite uh one that i feel like we harp on a lot but some guys just don't do as often as they should, and that's doing a test strip. And I don't mean like checking yourself for diabetes and poking yourself. I'm talking about when you're trying anything new, it doesn't matter if it's a biological, fungicide, um, 
you know, whatever it is, make sure that you run a control in that field. So don't just spray it on the whole field and compare it to another field down the road that's different soil type, different fertility. Um, do these in-field test strips to see if you're actually getting the benefit. One caveat, Matt. Yes. Please take it to harvest. Oh, yes. Yeah. Definitely. Right? Like, yep. what do we gain? Yeah, we may gain a few things, but what do we really gain if we do all these test strips and it's like, yeah, it looked all right. It looked a little bit better. Eh, it looked a little bit worse. Like, figure out a way so that when you get to harvest, it's easy to figure out what the yield difference was, whether that's putting it in a field that's close to a scale or maybe you have your yield monitor and you just do it and you look at it in the back end. If it's silage, figure it out so that you can take yield or quality or whatever you're doing, some metric that you're not just doing this for fun because I think we waste so much time on test trips. I, I love it. I'm glad you brought it up, man. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying... Take that sucker to yield. But yeah, don't don't do it and then don't yeah, like half half acid. Like it's gotta be like you said, take to yield. With monitors and stuff now we can mark stuff out. Um, even if we gotta put flags, we can do that. And may, you know, it doesn't have to be, oh, I'm just gonna like skip three rows. Just do a full pass of whatever your harvest equipment's gonna be. If uh, you half ass it, you'll get your whole ass kicked. Yes. I heard that once. What about Matt when guys just go out there and then they screw something up and then they're like oh that's a test strip now is that <laughs> that's yeah. you think that works that's or not, not really yeah that's not the point <laughs> like, either it's always my favorite like oh yeah the this didn't just turn on there so we got something to learn off of now and, and you can yes but these what matt's meaning here is an actual planned out version of a of a field scale study and i, I think that's important is I also hear farmers a lot of times say like, oh, the way the university does it or small plots, that doesn't work. It doesn't show you what it is in the field. And I go, yeah, you're right. Like, But that's step one to figuring this out because you can't, because then that research shows, okay, now it's in for field scale and then you can do test strips and test yourself. And with with the technology here again, there's so many tools to make this not that hard. Right. Um, I mean, even you know, way wagons and scales and all the accessibility with that stuff and yield monitors. It's it's not as hard as it used to be to figure to figure these things out. And you probably can build a wreck in right. some program, oh, sure. right? Like, okay, yep. I've got three products I want to spray. Well, let's build a wreck so that the sprayer can read that and you know exactly where each one's going to be. Right. Like, obviously, it's not going to change the product for you like a variable rate seeding would, but at least it's laid out. And the one last thing I will say on test strips is also don't use the headland as your test strip. It, and it, yes, there's a lot of caveats to like, oh, that was the edge of the field, and then this one was more inside. It's got to be right inside the field. You can't also too. I have enough guys compare field by field to another field, and you literally you just can't. I mean, there's so much differences there too. Yeah, unless they were managed the same, and maybe like. You split a field and they run together. That may and they're like literally right, right next to right. each other. But yeah, any, any other time, like especially if they were crop different or you know one was getting manure, or one wasn't. There's a number of factors that are going to screw that up. What is this year? It feels like some of my test strips are going the way of the in-furrow versus two by two question. Like, do we really need yep. the in-furrow? Sure. Question I, that 
and I'm going to probably have a lot of those. A lot where we're just going to, that one's a really easy one. You just shut, shut it, it off. off. Yeah. And then the yield part, not that that, I mean, you can just check that later. The hard part with that is I think it's going to be hard to see. You're not going to see much visual difference. You might see a little bit, but not much. And then even the yield, I got a feeling it's going to be one or two bushel that it's going to be hard to notice as well. So I, that's the part where these are all real easy questions to answer. It just takes time. And the crazy part, Todd, with the starter fertilizer thing is that I feel like that's an every year question. Right. And yeah. like to go back to Plinsky, like I remember we used to do a WAPAC grain plot with one of his farmers every year. We'd get chilly at the end of the year at harvest was great. Um, but they oh, like were, not cold. You're saying it was they like would actual feed, get fed food. chili. You'd get fed. We get fed chili. I never at was the that end that of the long. year. Yeah, it was that great. Sounds awesome. Um, side side note there, but they would do that. Like they were, this was 2004, right. 2005. Like they were turning off and on the starter at that point. You know, like should we use it? Should we not? And pick the time of year. I bet you you can have different answers. Correct. Yep. Correct. And that's. But at least it helps maybe answer. And the hard part is, I think, is the more guys try stuff, the more they realize they didn't answer many things. It just created more questions. And that's probably the frustration on the front. Right. You know, you oh, I'll, I'll try these things, and then you get done, you're like, oh, man, now I just got more questions for next year. But isn't that the isn't that the fun of this and the fun of the having resolutions and goals? and Right. Learn something. Learn, yeah. Yeah. All right, and to wrap this all up, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this because we spent a whole episode last week talking about this, but communication. It's very important. We can all be better at this. Even the best communicators can still be better. Um, so be clear, be consistent. A lot of these things we just talked about come down to communication, like whether it's communicating with the sprayer, the manure hauler, um, the person applying your fertilizer. Like We can all do better to be better communicators. And so just make sure you're always asking questions, talking, whether it's agronomist, co-op person, um, whoever it is, just make sure you, there's no such thing as a dumb question. You might get laughed at a little bit or something funny, but knowing is worth it. <laughs> just ask the question, make sure you're um, clearly communicating. Things don't go wrong as much when you communicate. Yes. Right? The, yep. the probability of error goes away when you talk about stuff. Um, it just is so important. And it's easy to get busy, right? It's easy. Oh, I just, whatever. Things happen. We're all busy. It's easy to just let that go by the wayside. But take that extra five minutes or two minutes, whatever it takes. Talk about it. And I think things will go better, like you said, Matt. Yeah. All right. So there you go. There's some things to think about. Use as goals, resolutions, whatever you want to call it, for 2024 as you move into this new cropping season. And now we'll move on to our spotlight for today. So today we're going to talk nitrogen stabilizers. So some research was done this past year on Instinct Next-Gen Nitrogen Stabilizer. So Dan Quinn, Assistant Professor of Agronomy at Purdue University, partnered with Corteva on some trials. 
And so nitrogen, as we just talked about in our goals, was is big investment in corn production. So we need to do everything we can to protect it and make sure we're using it uh, efficiently. Showing nitrification process and keeping nitrogen ammonia form for the crop to use as much as possible. So they had 13 treatments and four replications of each treatment, including the Instinct Next Gen nitrogen stabilizer versus unstabilized nitrogen. Both urea and 28% fertilizer were represented. Data was collected on yield, nitrogen uptake, and soil nitrogen availability. Uh, so there were two preliminary takeaways. The most significant yield uh, differentiation came from split application treatment tests. So uh, the biggest response they saw was where they split the nitrogen and used the stabilizers to help protect that nitrogen from leaching away. So yield for stabilized split application was 289 bushels, where unstabilized was 279, so about a 10-bushel difference between those two. And the second takeaway was um, the Instinct next-gen stabilizer delayed the conversion of ammonia to nitrate following a nitrogen fertilizer application. So doing what it was designed to do kept it in the ammonia form longer. So they can delay conversion of nitrogen fertilizer from ammonium to nitrate with the use of the stabilizer. It doesn't say a specific amount of time necessarily, but prolonging it does make it more available potentially for the plant. So uh, it was also found to be especially beneficial prior to rain events in the study that they found. So started off with a dry growing season, but had significant rains in July and August. It's critical that nitrogen is protected whenever we have rainfall, even late into the growing season. So it's good to know that it's it can be useful and do, does what it's supposed to do. So I like when these uh, UW not, well, there's one UW person, but these university people share a name with a because this Purdue researcher was Dan Quinn. Mm -hmm. So same as the. Uh, I think he's the Cowboys D coordinator now, the old <laughs> yep. coach for the yep. he's Falcons coach. He for was, Falcons. Yep. 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 Sorry, so I just picture, yeah, this rough and tough football guy out there <laughs> yelling at the corn. All right, now we'll go into our egg history minute. So it wasn't all that long ago that you may have helped your children leave out some milk and cookies for Santa, but when did it start? Why do we do that? Well, today in the United States, leaving out a plate of cookies and a glass of milk for Santa on Christmas Eve is a well-established tradition among children. It uh, wasn't always that way, though. The leaving of cookies and milk for Santa, and perhaps a few carrots or oats or something for the reindeer, took off as American holiday attrition in the 1930s during the Great Depression. In that time of great economic hardship, many parents tried to teach their children that it was important to give to others and to show gratitude for the gifts they were lucky enough to receive on Christmas. Some 80 years later, many children still set out cookies and milk for Santa, whether or not uh, it's out of the goodness of their hearts, or as a bribe to hopefully re receive more gifts from the jolly red man in the suit. Uh, the 
orig- original roots of this holiday food tradition go back even further, all the way to Norse mythology. Odin, the most important Norse god, was said to have an eight-legged horse named Sleipnir, which he rode with a raven on each shoulder. During the Yule season, children would leave food out for Sleipnir in the hopes that Odin would stop by in his travels and leave gifts in return. Such traditions continue today in countries like Denmark, Belgium, and the Netherlands, where children still believe horses carry Santa's sleigh instead of reindeer. On Christmas Eve, they leave carrots and hay, and sometimes stuffed into shoes, to feed the exhausted animals. In return, they hope to receive such treats as chocolate coins, cocoa, mandarin oranges, or marzipan. So, no matter where you are, there's still a tradition of leaving something, whether it's for the horses or reindeer, or Santa himself. And I, I did see an article, too, of how much milk Santa would consume if he <laughs> got milk everywhere, and it was like 730 tanker loads of milk. <laughs> so, Santa guys, likes definitely the not... For the farmers, lact- Santa. Yes, yes. Definitely not lactose intolerant. We left, right. we left a smaller cup this year. Santa never seems to drink all the milk, though. He just kind of oh, sips. Yeah, that little you know, bit of... Yeah. Yeah. You've got to leave some... Ev- he leaves evidence yeah. that he was there, right? Even the cookies, he's nibbles it seems and well, he'd be so full if he ate. true i mean it's just like a quick snack how many pounds how many tons of cookies did they figure yeah. that out oh i'm sure somebody has and that would be even yeah he'd probably uh if he was a normal human die of diabetes before he even finished the night he's magic though that's why he can do that's that. right what are you saying all reindeer can't fly what's funny what my kids learned from santa this year was that all the reindeer that are pulling the sleigh are females because male reindeer do lose their antlers, but females don't. Okay. So, fun fact. They're all girls. Okay. Awesome. Thank you, Matt, and thank you to our listeners out there. Please subscribe to the podcast and tell a farmer friend. All you need to do is search Tilt Talk Radio on Apple Podcasts. Or on Android, you can download Podcast Addict or Google Podcasts. Those apps were great to listen to podcasts. And you can listen on your computer or smartphone browser. Go to tilthegg.com slash podcasts. All right. <clears throat> now we'll get into our cool beans. That's corny and some current events. So cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Our cool beans this week. South Dakota's winter wheat and soil moisture have been improving so far this year. USDA says soil moisture levels in South Dakota are well above what they were a year ago, thanks to a recent shift in weather, which is aiding their winter wheat crop. 54% of winter wheat in South Dakota is rated good to excellent, compared to 38% this time last year. So, good for for them. They always seem to have some pretty wacky weather, different kind of drier area out there. So they're seeing some improvements from a year ago in their neck of the woods. And that leads us to our That's Corny this week for, unfortunately for us here in Wisconsin, we've started 2024 mostly snow and frost free. And that's not necessarily been a good thing. In some cases with the cover crops and other things, if they were planted late, they probably got more growth than normal. Uh, But unfortunately, with them still growing, that means hay fields and other things are potentially still growing as well. And so I know we talked to local egg agent uh, Kevin Jarek yesterday, and he said that... Jarek. Jarek, sorry. Jarek. Jarek. Egg agent to the stars. Old (laughs) habits die hard, I know. 
uh, that some alfalfa has been breaking dormancy, which means it could potentially cause some damage later this winter. So, boo. <laughs> just, you know, normally we think of I, mild winter as positive. Right. That's what I was just going to say is like alfalfa. usually... And then you're like, well, it hasn't been that cold, so that's a good thing because we don't have the snow cover to insulate and stuff. But we'll see. That always is a tough call at this point. Yeah. You really can't tell. I feel like till May, dang near. But well, just... and we had, what, 52, 54 degrees on Christmas? Right. Um, we're finally starting to kind of trend downward in temperature now. I think we're pretty much riding out 30s for the next week or so here. Um, so potentially the good part is, isn't necessarily been like a huge roller coaster up and I mean, it obviously is up, right? but the down part, we haven't hit those really cold, cold weather yet. So if we get a little snow and get this stuff to kind of go dormant and yeah, and it's not like we have big ice ponds or anything like it's raining a ton. Uh, so, so, so far, hopefully things will, will still pan out, but. All right, to wrap this episode up, we'll do a Field Good Friday. And this week, we're talking about a farm mom who, when recovering from a brain tumor, found that feeding calves helped her recovery. So if you look at farming in California, Ron and Sherry Prin's family could easily paint the picture of a typical family farm in that neck of the woods, Holsteins, Jerseys, and a handful of employees, four children, made up that farm. So 15 years ago, or 15 years into growing their farm together, Sherry was 33, kids were 6, 8, 10, and 12. She'd been dealing with migraines and other potential issues, so finally decided to went to a, the emergency room and found out that she had a brain tumor. Once the treatment of the brain tumor began, uh, she had brain surgery the following year on her 34th birthday in October of 2000. Surgery was successful, and after being home a week, uh, she was able to kind of start getting back into the swing of things. It was a, still a long road for recovery and continued adjustments for the whole family. Um, but turns out that a specific role on the farm made a world of difference in Sherry's recovery. The tumor had been in the frontal lobe of her brain, which is responsible for short-term memory. And her Sherry and her husband worked out that uh, her need to exercise that part of the brain would be helped by an important daily repetitive tax on the, task on the farm, feeding calves. So one year after surgery, she stepped into that role, feeding calves, and became kind of occupational therapy for her, she says, working on remembering cow and calf numbers, working through calf issues, translated into redeveloping the ability to manage a schedule uh, for the farm and family, working back into being able to multitask was a long process, but she pushed was pushed along by her calf feeding routine, and along the way learned how much she loved calves and how important it was in her recovery. So 20 years later, she is now retired from calf feeding <laughs> and has redeveloped her short-term memory to the point where her farm job is now managing bookwork. Throughout the whole process, Ron and Sherry made a point of putting their trust in God's guidance and will never take for granted the type of perspective their kids gained at young ages. So pretty cool that doing a pretty simple farm task helped her recover from her brain tumor. So... It's good stuff, man. Makes me feel good. Yeah. 
All right. Makes that'll... you want to feed calves again? Sure. I never minded feeding calves too much. Yeah. Just the brown Swiss ones. They were always kind of stubborn and Sorry, didn't like, drink. Ninety percent of the calves were fine. It was that one idiot calf that yeah. you'd have to like come on, just drink. Yep, the the one that yeah took forever. Yes. All right. Well, that'll do it for this week. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Matt. So this week we talked about some agronomy goals for 2024. In our spotlight, we looked at nitrogen stabilizer research. Hey, history minute. We talked about why milk and cookies for Santa has become a tradition. Cool beans this week was South Dakota seeing positive soil moisture and winter wheat crop for the year so far. That's corny, is that without snow and frost, we may have the potential for some damage to our hayfields this winter. And our Field Good Friday was how feeding calves helped a 33-year-old farm mom recover from a brain tumor. Thanks for listening. As always, happy farming. <laughs>